0: The Daily Tap is live for Monday. We are talking about positive and negatives from the Brewers subpar weekend against the St. Louis Cardinals. We're also going to talk about things I'm in and out on with the after week one of the pack of preseason. Lastly, we're gonna have to talk about this clickbait Giannis bullshit that came across about the Bulls. I was gonna do the Christmas stuff, but now this is kind of bubbling. So we're gonna have to talk about that and we'll get into that later. You might not have even seen it. Um, it will be on the internet. it will be all over the place, unfortunately, but what do you, what can you do, right? Aggregators are going to aggregate and they are aggregating the shit out of this and there should be none of it. So I will talk about that. I'll also talk a little bit about bucks on Christmas. Why the ideal spot would be 4 PM. And yeah, at the end, we'll talk about being 34. It's my birthday today. And because it's my birthday today, you got to do like, here's what I want for a gift. I want you, if you're not following me on one of the social platforms, Tabbing the Keg, Tabbing the Keg Sports on Instagram or TikTok, Tabbing the Keg on Twitter or Facebook, I want you following follow me somewhere else, okay? So that's what you do for my birthday, appreciate that. Other thing you could do for my birthday is a shout out, wish me a happy birthday, say hey, you should go follow this. If you like Wisconsin sports, I could work you a tweet. If you need me to workshop a tweet, a Instagram story, I will do that. Uh, so please do that. I appreciate it if somehow you haven't given me a rating or review that's also an acceptable birthday gift. I'll take that um, but yeah uh, just do something for the podcast today for the birthday because it's the birthday I'm working on my birthday um, <laughs> not really. I'm doing something I love. so I'm happy thank you for all all that you know follow us that list, listen on a day-to-day basis even if you listen a couple times a week but yeah. But yeah, much appreciated. We'll talk a little bit about turning 34 at the end of this show. But let's dive into Brewers and Cardinals. The Milwaukee Brewers did not have the weekend that they wanted against the St. Louis Cardinals. It was not the weekend for the Milwaukee Brewers. They lose two out of three to the St. Louis Cardinals. And they are now one and a half back from the Cardinals inside their own division. They are also a half game back of the San Diego Padres for the last wild card spot in the National League. It is a very competitive National League and this did not work out well for the Milwaukee Brewers. That said, I still will look at the positives before I look at the negatives and the fact that Brewers at least won one game is good. The fact that they were three and two um, in this week, basically, I'll take. Um, it's not necessarily the best, but again, it's above 500. You, and so you did your job at home and then you lost two on the road. Now you have to go play the Dodgers in a seven-day game 7 day week because it's a four-game series. So can you come out of that alive with being like four and three? Maybe, maybe you can't. Uh, we'll, we'll definitely have to see. But when it comes to positives, the starting pitching showed up all weekend. Starting pitching has been somewhat of a problem at times for the Brewers in the second half of this season. Starting pitching was there all weekend. Uh, Corbin Burns was terrific on Saturday night, gives up one run. Eric Lauer was really good. Um, on Friday, he just gives up that home run to Goldschmidt, um, or you know, he gave a, another. He gave a home run to Arenado too, um, as well. But yeah, he really made two bad pitches all game long. And Aaron Ashby, same thing, right? He made a bad pitch to Albert Pujols. He made a bad pitch to Tyler O'Neill. So other than that, the Brewers starting pitching was really, really solid. I feel like this is one of the better starting pitching weekends that the Brewers have had in quite some time, and I think. I have to rank, like, of of importance, I think first of all, Burns being an ace and going head to head with Adam Wainwright, who had a no hitter going into the seventh inning, like, I think that is important, right? Like, he he didn't back down from Adam Wainwright being awesome, like that didn't rattle him. He was going mano a mano with Adam Wainwright, and that was cool to see. Like, that was an awesome game on Saturday. I thought that was probably the win of the year for the Milwaukee Brewers. Um, to follow it up and lose um, on Sunday was disappointing. But I, I still thought that was such a good win for the Milwaukee Brewers and felt good about it as Wainwright pitched so well in that game. And then Lauer, you know, he's struggled on the road this year, but he's been really good against the Cardinals. Um, and I realize, yes, he took a loss. But when you give up three runs and it's two home runs to Arenado and Goldschmidt, I don't necessarily think like it, that's a big deal, right? He's a left-handed pitcher. Aaron Otto and Goldschmidt absolutely crushed lefties. And so the fact is, is that you, your offense didn't come through for you, which we'll talk about the offense in a little bit here. And then Aaron Ashby, I, I think you have to be encouraged by that. Aaron Ashby, I felt, was in sort of a last stand. Like, I feel like if Aaron Ashby struggled today, I think they would have went with Adrian Hauser. I'm not sure what they do with Adrian Hauser, probably a topic for another time. But I do think they have to make a decision on what they do about Adrian Hauser, whether that's bring him up and put him in the bullpen or swapping starts with Aaron Ashby for a little bit. I don't know. Uh, maybe like some piggyback stuff. Who knows what they will do. But I do think they have to figure out what they what they have with Adrian Hauser. Because I don't think you keep him in Nashville. Like, Adrian Hauser is too good not to be on this roster. Like, he should be taking Jason Alexander's spot or Peter Slacky. Like, one of those guys should be down in Nashville and Adrian Hauser should be up. But we'll see what the Brewers do there. But yeah, really good stuff from starting pitching. I think that was the biggest positive. I thought Matt Bush was really good all weekend. Uh, He gets another save. He was terrific on uh, Saturday. And then he comes in the seventh inning. It's a 2-2 game. He holds the water. He looks really good in that. Matt Bush definitely starting to find his sea legs. Um, Whether it was that he was a little nervous in those games against Pittsburgh, he really pitched well this weekend. And I think he pitched well against Tampa as well. And right now, I would look at Matt Bush as sort of the secondary guy to Devin Williams. I think it's more him than Taylor Rodgers. I understand Council doesn't see it that way. Um, We'll talk about Taylor Rogers in the negatives, obviously. But I really think Matt Bush should be that eighth inning guy for the Brewers going forward. And the guy who comes in and closes games, if Devin, either it's a situation like we had on Saturday where Devin came in and tie game. Or it's Devin needs a night off and Matt Bush should be that guy. Um, Because he looks the part. And I was really impressed with what I saw from Matt Bush uh, this weekend. Hunter Renfro triple uh, was so cool on Saturday. Like I said, that was such a good win. And that that triple was just an awesome base hit by Hunter Renfro. And then he hits a homer on Sunday. um, And he's a guy who's a streaky hitter. So if you can get a Hunter Renfro hot streak here against LA and Chicago, I'm not going to complain. I'm not going to complain about that at all. And it was just a big time clutch moment for Hunter Renfro. And I feel like he's had a couple of those here and there. Uh, but yeah, it was really nice to see him make solid contact. I feel like he has been kind of quiet the last two weeks. And so for him to come up big there was massive. Um, and definitely something you hope is a sign of things to come. I think he couldn't deliver a hit in the ninth inning uh, against the Cardinals where the Brewers were trying to come back, but I'm not gonna shame him for that. I'm not gonna fault him for that. I, I, it'll be all right, right? So really did like uh, what I saw from Hunter Renfro in those two at-bats. Luis Urias, I thought offensively, always seemed to be making contact, getting the ball on the ground, and you know either having a base hit, uh, either, or or at least getting on base. Um, he wasn't dormant um, this weekend. There weren't, again, there weren't a ton of positives, but I'd give Luis uh, a nod, a, a shake in the right direction. He also played really good defense all weekend. He made some stellar plays on Sunday. So really good stuff from Weecho, Um, I hope. You know that continues. I hope that he can ride it. He's been a lot better at home. I don't know if that actually plays out in the splits, but I feel like I've I feel like Weicho is just a better player at American Family Field. Maybe that's me just projecting. I'm gonna look it up right now since I have his I have his splits. Let's see here. Weicho at home is hitting yeah. That's actually, okay, so there's definitely something to it. He has more home runs on the road, but he's only hitting 200 on the road. Um, at home, he's hitting 274 with an OPS of 812. So definitely, definitely likes playing at home. Definitely likes playing in front of the fans. And so good good to see there. And that home run he had to tie the game in the eighth inning was massive. Um, that was a massive blast. Um, really good piece of hitting. Just such a response after Wainwright, you know, it gets a one-nothing lead and Wecho comes back with a huge home run. So big weekend for Urias. Um, definitely hope it continues against the Dodgers because we know the Brewers are gonna need it. As for the negatives, Craig Council's bullpen management on Sunday made absolutely no fucking sense. I don't really understand at all what Craig Council was thinking. So he goes with Matt Bush in the seventh inning. Fine. All right, Matt Bush. Say, you know, whatever he's going to be is he a 17 inning guy? Is he an eighth inning guy? I don't think anyone really knows. But then he decides to go with Taylor Rogers in the eighth inning. Rogers gives up not only a home run to Dylan Carlson, but also to that old fuck Albert Pujols. Now, why they put Taylor Rogers in that situation is absolutely beyond me because Matt Bush faced Pujols, he faced De- DeJong, and he faced Tommy Edmund, and then uh, Dickerson. Corey Dickerson hit for Andrew Kisner, um, who struck out swinging by Matt Bush. And Matt struck out the side besides an infield single by Edmond. And Edmond probably is the only guy that beat out that play by Colt Wong. Colt Wong made a great play there. But for some reason, they decided to use Bush in that inning. That, to me, should have been an inning for Rodgers, even with Pujols up. But maybe it's something you avoid your lefties altogether. Maybe it's Matt Bush in this inning, and then it's... Devin Williams in the ninth or in the eighth, and you use Devin Williams there because you were gonna face you were gonna face Goldschmidt if anybody got on, and then Carlson got on. Weicho, you know, throws the ball away, and I know I said his defense was good; it really was good except for that error. And then you know, Goldschmidt gets on with a walk. Arenado it gets out; he strikes out Arenado, which is great, but he follows it up by giving up a massive home run to Albert Pujols. And that was pretty much the game. And then Telez, of course, hits home run the ninth. So the game would have been tied even if uh, Pujols didn't hit that home run. Like that's that's the part that stings. That's the part that's the bleach in your eyes, right? Is like why was Roger still out there after after the error happened? Like why wasn't Boxberger ready to face Goldschmidt, Arenado, and Pujols? Like that should have been a Boxberger moment, right? Even if you weren't gonna bring in. Uh, Devin Williams, like have Boxberger in there. Like that to me seems like more of a Boxberger moment. I realized Rodgers had only given up one home run this season. Like for as bad as Rodgers was in June, he wasn't giving up home runs. And so the fact is, is that the Brewers definitely needed to strategize that better. And they really needed to think through the lineup a little bit. This was a lineup built to attack a lefty like Aaron Ashby. So I don't think there really should have been a case for Taylor Rodgers. I would have been fine if they went Devin Williams. I don't need. I don't think I'd be fine with Devin Williams there in the eighth. Not to like argue with myself because it was Barr, Carlson, O'Neill. Because if Williams gets through that, then you have Goldschmidt, Arenado, and Pujols to finish off the game. You need Devin Williams in that in that scenario hypothetically. So I think Matt, you know, it should have been Rogers or you Rogers pitch the seventh inning. Careful with Pujols, obviously, as a lefty. And then you have the bottom of the order to deal with. Like, I I definitely think those roles should have been switched today. That was a very bad job by Craig Council. And while I don't put it all on him, I put a a very good amount of the pie on Craig Council for the Sunday loss. Um, Also, the lack of offense all weekend was pathetic. Um, The Milwaukee Brewers, it's been a problem. We've talked about this before where the offense shows up against bad teams and it doesn't show up against good teams. That this offense seems to get timid. This offense just cannot seem to put it together when they're facing good teams. Now, I recognize the fact that you know there were other major matchups this weekend, whether it's Yankees Red Sox or it's Phillies Mets, where there weren't a lot of runs in those games, right? Like there, like the Yankees Red Sox. I think Yankees didn't score um, tonight, and the Yankees have been struggling, so maybe it's a bad example. But if you look at the Mets, like. The Mets lost two to one on Monday on Friday night uh, to the Phillies. They win one nothing on sa- Saturday, and then they blew out the Mets today or blew out the Phillies, excuse me, uh, on Sunday with a six nothing victory. So yeah, there was a little more from the Mets today, but that the larger point of like they weren't exactly lighting the world on fire. And so I I think to kind of give everybody more of a feel good about this, it's like. Yeah, offense is harder to come by in these like playoff-like matchups, but the Brewers should have done a little bit more. And I think that worries me against the Dodgers, right? Are the Brewers gonna be able to have enough offense to sort of figure it out? Um, that's definitely a concern of mine. Christian Yelich and Willie Adamas were also really bad. And I think you can't have that against good teams. Like Christian Yelich hit a slump at the very worst time. Um, that w- This was the worst time that you could have had Christian Yelich slump, and hopefully he breaks out of it. Hopefully it's not a long term slump. But yeah, Christian Yelich has been bad for about a week now, and I really hope that he either gets a day off. I mean, if he needs a day off, he needs a day off, right? Like sometimes you just need days off as you know baseball players. So I wouldn't be surprised if they decide, hey, we're going to we're going to give Yelich you know Monday off. Like I would not I would not be surprised if Christian Yelich didn't play today. Or, and then for Damas, like, yeah, it's just, you know, I know he's had some big moments recently. He had to walk off, but you needed Willie Adamas to step up this weekend and he just didn't. And if he's going to be one of your stars, you need your star players to show up in these type of series. And both him and Yelich did not show up, which is frustrating, I'd uh, say the least. Like you just can't, there's nothing more you can really say. So now you have the Los Angeles Dodgers. Their winning streak is over. They lost, to the Kansas City Royals on Sunday. So winning streak no more, but they're still been a juggernaut for Ju- July and August. They're 34-6 and in their last 40 games. Uh, the Brewers will be lucky to win two. Uh, simply put, right? Like, just law of large numbers. Like, they really need to figure out a way to split this series. It'd be great if they win Monday, Tuesday, and then the rest of the week is house money for the Dodgers. So Fred Peralta needs to step up tomorrow and be an ace. Um, and same with Brandon Woodruff. Uh, Those two, you'd love to win. Now, they're facing Julio Urias. Urias is really good. The Brewers have struggled against lefties. Um, It's not exactly an easy matchup for the Brewer crew on Monday night. And then they get Ryan Peapot, their their prospect uh, for the Dodgers. So maybe that's the area of opportunity on Tuesday. I look at Tuesday as probably the Brewers' best chance to win this week when it comes to playing the Dodgers. Um, I do think... Wednesday is gettable. Eric Lauer has some incredible splits against the Dodgers in his career. He's always seemed to own the Dodgers. Um, so there is that uh, part. I'll be in the building um, on Wednesday. So hopefully we get a good showing from the Brew crew. Um, I've seen good and bad this year. and one and two on the year. Uh, they didn't have a lot of offense in the last one I was at. Uh, so hopefully hopefully a little bit better. Hopefully a little bit better uh, than the last time. last time I saw the Brewers play. As for scoreboard watching, as mentioned, you know the Brewers are a couple a half game behind San Diego and a full game behind Philadelphia. Both teams are kind of on easy street to start the week. San Diego's in Miami, um, and then they go back to fight, p- face Washington at home over the weekend. Um, so they definitely have the road road paved for them to kind of make some noise. Um, they are facing like the Marlins' best pitching pitch, pitchers with Alcantara. Uh, Cabrera and Pablo Lopez. So they have, they've faced three studs in that in that pitching rotation. So we'll see if they're able to come through for the Brew Crew. Philadelphia gets Cincinnati, who apparently is only good against the Brewers and nobody else. And then they go back to play the Mets this weekend. So Philly does have a difficult one with the Mets again uh, this weekend. But yeah, they get Cincinnati uh, where they can just mash taters. So not necessarily the best, but we'll see what happens with the Brewers. Um, I, I'm not losing the faith here. Um, I hope that they show up a little more offensively against the Dodgers. I think kind of similar to Friday's game uh, against the Cardinals where I said that was the biggest game of the year. I think this is equally important tonight. You have to set this tone against the Dodgers. It's your first matchup all year. You know how good the Dodgers have been playing. fry Peralta has his first inning struggles. The Brewers need to find opportunities and they need to make sure they're not doing any dumb shit, no errors, no base running mistakes, nothing. You have to play really clean games against the Dodgers or you're going to get beat. So hopefully the Brewers can do just that. Moving on to preseason. So we had the first preseason game for the Green Bay Packers on Friday. Packers lost the 49ers 28 to 21. Not that that really matters, but things that I am in and out on after week one of preseason. I'm in on thought that the fans are too hard on Jordan Love. Um, I think not enough people were probably watching close enough. I think Jordan Love had some really nice plays. I think he was composed in the pocket. I think the interceptions, you know, weren't necessarily his fault. I think Love is a little too Farvian at times and gets himself into trouble that way. And that's where I think he needs to still still rein it in. Um, so I think fans being like, oh, Love was terrible, I think really weren't watching the game. I think it it was a B-minus effort. Um, It wasn't the best ever. It wasn't like he lit the world on fire here, but it's also not like Jordan Love was absolute garbage. I think there is a fine line between the two, and I think Love Love kind of falls in the middle of it. I know that's a cop-out, but I, I personally feel like that's true. I'm in on the idea of Tyler Goodson being kind of a Tyler Irvin for the Green Bay Packers. Goodson runs a 4-4-2 speed. He's done some kick returning for the Packers. Um, I don't see any reason why you wouldn't add Goodson to that lineup and kind of make him a playmaker. Have him do some different things. Jet sweeps. You know, different stuff they saw with Tyler Irvin in year one of the Packers. Like I feel like that's what you could get with Tyler Goodson. I realize Patrick Taylor is a very good pass blocker, and I like Patrick Taylor. I think he's shown some moments here. But I don't know. I just feel like Goodson... Does more stuff on the field. That's where I would really like uh, Goodson to kind of be there instead of Patrick Taylor. But I don't know. I, I could see that going either way. That's going to be a really tough decision for Matt LaFleur um, when they get down to cut day later this this month. I think it's September, actually. So in, in early September. I'm in on Kingsley Ingabar being a dude. I think we've talked about that, you know, kind of as a lead up to the season that. That could be an underrated move for the Green Bay Packers. Ingebar looked really good against the 49ers. He had a sack, he had a couple pressures. And then he also had a very good practice right after the San Francisco game on Sunday. So good, good stuff from Ingebar. I think he could be a vital contributor. I think one of the things that Green Bay is missing is really that that third, third rusher, right? You have it with Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith and those guys are great but you kind of need that third guy just to as just a change of pace, just adds a new element to it. And if you could have a third guy being a consistent force, that would be really good. That would definitely set them up for success. I'm not trying to put Ingebar on a pedestal, but I'm just saying, I think he has an opportunity to kind of be a dude for the Packers this season. I'm also in on the idea of having defensive line and linebacker depth in the first time in forever. It's been a very long time since the Green Bay Packers have had any sort of depth at both of those positions and they do. Like they have legitimate depth at both of those spots. Like D-line, they have, you know, four or five guys that can really can really go on that on that front. And that's something we haven't had in such a long time. I really think since like the Howard Green days of 2010 was the last time we really saw that sort of depth for the Packers. So I'm really excited about that. I think that's something Packers fans should be stoked. I think having a bunch of inside linebackers that can ball out is also good. I know inside linebacker has never been a priority for the Packers. But it seems like they have four good ones with Devondre Campbell, obviously. Uh, Quay Walker, Chris Barnes, and Isaiah McDuffie, who continues to make strides. Like everyone's really high on Isaiah McDuffie, and I think Isaiah's gonna gonna be a guy for them this year. And he's gonna have some moments, definitely for special teams, but also maybe just on defense. So I think it's really exciting for both the Packers to have defensive line and linebacker depth, and, and you just haven't had it. And it makes it it adds to the. How special could this team really be? As for things I'm out on, I'm out on the media overplaying their Jordan Love love. Like, look, I just said that the fans were a little too hard on him. And then I felt like the media kind of swung it the other way. Like, we can all agree that Jordan Love was okay. But I felt like some of the media is like, hey, look, he's not that bad. He's not that bad. Like, don't watch the box score. And it's like, yeah, I get it, right? Like, I, I get what they're trying to say. But at the same time, like, you can't just immediately be like, oh, Jordan Love, you know, was good. Or Jordan Love did this. Like, he was all right. And I felt like the media was a little bit over the top on that. I'm also out on Tyler Davis. Like, look, I like Tyler Davis. I said I was on Tyler Davis Island. I have moved off Tyler Davis Island. Like I have, that we took on water. We got in a canoe. We swam over to Juwan Winfrey Island. And that's where we're building residence because Tyler Davis just did not look like a guy to me. Like he did not look like a guy who should make a fifty-three man roster. Could Tyler Davis be on the Houston Texans fifty-three? Absolutely, hundred percent. Like Tyler Davis can be on a bad roster, like the Jaguars, right? Tyler Davis to me is not on a Super Bowl Super Bowl roster. And I don't think you can put him on the practice squad. I don't think he'll be able to be stashed. Um, but yeah, I, I don't see it with Tyler Davis. And I know the Packers keep talking him up, but what has he really done? I know he, made, he actually made a big play, I think on Sunday with Aaron Rodgers. But yeah, I'm not I'm not in on Tyler Davis. And maybe the Packers know something that we don't. Uh, but I, yeah, I, I, that's probably the one guy I have fallen out of flavor with here at training camp, where I was really in on that idea and now I'm kind of off that idea. Um, so who knows? But maybe by the end of it, I'll be back in. That's kind of how it works sometimes. Sports are funny. Out on our safety depth, I I'm pretty worried if Amos or Savage goes down. Like uh, Dylan Levitt, who I think has an arm injury, I think he's gonna be he's on injured reserve now. Um, he was terrible. Uh he was really bad. I felt like they had a lot of you know missed opportunities in cover zero stuff. I thought the safeties. We're ill prepared for the speed of the San Francisco 49ers, and yeah, we could we could use some help there. We could definitely use another veteran safety, you know, maybe a, a similar Bisaccia type who can play special teams but also can do other things on the field because they need some help there. Um, they're really not that great when it comes to safeties. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, the Packers have the Saints uh, on Friday. They also have some joint practices. Trevor Penning has been fighting dudes all Saints camp, so hopefully he's not going to fight any Packers. That'd be unfortunate. Um, but, yeah, we'll definitely see what happens there when it comes to the Packers and the New Orleans Saints. Moving on to the Milwaukee Bucks and this dumb-ass Giannis Antetokounmpo story. So Giannis Antetokounmpo... Um, Basically, was talking to the media about what he was doing for the Antidote Health, Um, and Antidote Health is something where basically it's free medicine for everybody, free doctors for all. It's a really cool partnership. Um, Someone asked Giannis, you know, would you ever consider playing for the Chicago Bulls? And Giannis Antetokounmpo was pretty political about it. Was basically saying, you know, hey, look, everybody grew up thinking about Chicago, everybody, you know, Michael Jordan, you know, invoking Jordan and understanding what happened with Jordan. And then he's like, I don't know, you know, maybe down the line, I might play for Chicago. But he never really was like, he said how committed he was to the Bucs. And it was basically kind of a, hey, yeah, who knows, right? Like everybody, everybody knows what the Bulls are all about. And I feel like if he was being interviewed by someone from Los Angeles He'd say a similar thing about the Lakers. Um, You know, there's that history, right? They're iconic teams. And I think what it also tells me is Giannis does not consider the Bulls a rival. Because I don't know if he'd say this about the Celtics, right? But I think the aura of Michael Jordan, you know, any kid who grew up in that era, obviously has probably thought about playing for the Bulls. And then they realize that they don't want to be in Jordan's shadow, that it's a poorly run organization, and then that's it. But clickbait journalists like Daniel Greenberg, who runs Chicago Sports Update, who is wildly more successful than what we do, has said this, and this is a complete aggregation of Giannis' comments. Giannis told Fox Kickoff that he wouldn't rule out signing with the Chicago Bulls once his is up with the Bucks. He never said that. He never actually said those words. Those are not the words that Giannis Kumbo said. Everybody would love to play for Chicago, but now I'm committed to the Bucs. Down the line, you never know. I might play for Chicago. He never said that sentence. Giannis never fucking said that. That is being aggregated. Giannis said everyone would love to play with Chicago, stopped, talked about Michael Jordan, and then mentioned how he is committed to the Milwaukee Bucks. Who knows down the line? You know, I never know where life takes me. Giannis has said this before. This is not new news, but my God, can we not fucking aggregate the best player in the league? Like, is everybody that thirsty for drama? Are they just dripping, asking to get some drama in their life? Like, fuck off. Like, I understand now why Bill Simmons gets so mad at aggregators because it's so ridiculous. Like, Dan Greenberg got a ton of engagement on this, right? He has, as of now, almost 400 retweets, almost 2,000 likes, and 80 replies. Like, this guy obviously did this so he could blow this up. And more people follow him and get more excited. It's all fucking bullshit. And Dan should be embarrassed. It's a sad life to live that you have to be putting out this fucking clickbait garbage. Giannis didn't say anything. And then NBA Central is like, Giannis doesn't rule out playing for Chicago. Eye emojis. You're going to have fucking Photoshop Giannis, all this other garbage bullshit. And the fact of the matter is, is Giannis didn't say any of that. Giannis's quote was simply, I understand, he, he like, he gets the aura of Chicago. He understands why people would want to play for Chicago because of Michael Jordan. And he says, who knows, maybe, maybe me too. But he, as noted, I'm committed to the Bucks. He had nothing to say that was like, I'm going to go think about Chicago, you know, after my contract is up. He didn't hold out hope. He didn't, did, you know, it's just so frustrating because I know the media is going to run with this. I know they're going to make this into a massive story. And it really doesn't need to be. It doesn't need to be. And maybe Giannis needs to be more careful with his words. And someone say, oh, Giannis is trolling. Giannis, you know, is, is this, that, or the other. But it's like, yeah, I think Giannis does have to be more careful with his words. And I understand he's getting interviewed by someone in Chicago. He's trying to be nice. But maybe you just need to say, like, hey, look. Everybody would want to play for Chicago. I don't know if it's for me, but I know that there's a lot of interest because of Michael Jordan or something like that. But yeah, I, I'm really kind of annoyed by it. Um, it's, it's not something how I wanted to end my 33rd year in life with having to deal with bullshit misinformation about Giannis Antetokounmpo because that's just it's just not it. It's just not it. Um, I'm I'm disappointed that it's going to get twisted and taken the wrong way sure it'll appear on first take i'm sure it'll appear on uninterrupted or colin Cowherd or any of those other bullshit all right and it, is that is that quote even accurate from me honest that everyone wants to play with chicago i don't think so because obviously you've seen multiple guys turn them down whether it was carmelo whether it was lebron and others who have not wanted to play with the bulls for whatever reason whether it was management whether it was the idea of once you get there and you see all the Jordan statues, the Jordan pictures, Jordan records, you're like, I can never live up to this. Why, Why the fuck would I go here and try to build a legacy when there's already been a peak legacy here with Michael Jordan? I think the difference between like that and the Lakers, for example, or Boston, is there's been so many guys, right? It's not just one guy. Like the Lakers has Magic, you have Wilt, you have Kareem, you have Jerry West, like you have all these guys who've done awesome things, and Shaq and Kobe, obviously for this generation, like so there, there's definitely like multiple guys. Boston, same thing, right? You have Bird, you have KG, you have Bill Russell, you have uh, Robert Parrish, Kevin McHale, like you have all these guys who have been there. So it's not just one dude. It's not just Michael Jordan. I think I think that's why you see more and more guys not actually. Playing in Chicago, but yeah, absolutely embarrassment hack job from Dan Greenberg, and definitely should know better. So, not happy about that one, as you guys can probably guess, right? Like that's, that's just bullshit, man. Like I, I, just I have no fucking time for dumb shit like that. Uh, Dan, Dan should be embarrassed with himself, um, and if he isn't, I'll I will have secondhand embarrassment for Dan. Other Bucks news today: the Bucks are also being also playing on Christmas. Uh, They will be playing the Boston Celtics. Uh, This will be the second straight year between the Bucs and the Celtics. And if they want to make Packer fans happy, they do not play this game at 1.30. They do not play this game at 1.30. So the NBA uh, last year did games at 11, 1.30, 4 o'clock, 7, and 9.30. Those were the game times last year. If the NBA was smart, they would try to avoid putting teams in the time, sl- time slots of the Rams and Broncos, the Packers and Dolphins, and the Cardinals and Buccaneers. What are ways to avoid this? Well, number one, you put the Lakers on at one thirty. The Rams play at three thirty. There's a slight overlap, but it's not too bad. And I would guarantee you that most Laker fans who are Rams fans are going to stick with the Lakers. They're not going to watch the Lakers. There's no way that they're gonna put the Lakers and Mavericks head-to-head against the Rams and Broncos. So you can rule that out as the four o'clock game. The Bucks celtics should be four o'clock because the, the backer game's over by then. You then have the Bucks celtics You have the Tom Brady fans that are still in Boston. They have a chance to watch Brady at night. Um, I look at Grizzlies-Warriors as the clear seven o'clock game. ABC, get it on there. The only question will be, would the league want the Lakers to play that early on Christmas? Because that would be 11.30 out in LA. It's pretty damn early, right? That's much earlier than we usually see the Lakers. Usually we see the Lakers as that four o'clock game or that seven o'clock game. Again, I don't think it'll be the four o'clock game. Maybe it's the seven. Maybe LeBron still has a stranglehold over the league and it's the seven o'clock game and then it's Grizzlies Warriors at four and it's Bucks Celtics at one thirty. 30. But Bucks sells to sell 130 would suck because that would be smack dab in the middle of the Packer game. And let me tell you, this does me no favors in terms of my holidays. Like, I need late. Like, late is fine. Why? Because I'm with my family. My family understands my sports fandom. My family always does. My wife does too. Like, uh, totally, like, been together for eight years um, in totality. So it's like, We definitely know each other. Like, she knows how I feel about sports. That said, at family gatherings, it's not like we're going to be, we're having Bucks on one TV, Packers on another TV. It's likely I would have to watch Packers and then stream Bucks on another TV. That's probably how it would end up working. And usually they do Christmas around noon time. It's the Packers are just going to fuck, it's going to fuck a lot of things up for a lot of people. And so... I need. I, I really don't like them playing at noon. Um, I would have much preferred 3.30 again, but it is what it is. Um, we soldier on, and we'll, uh, we'll figure it out. We'll cross that bridge when we get there. Unfortunately, I don't think I'll have my house ready by then to get that. Um, but, yeah, I would really appreciate Buck Celtics at 4 o'clock. Like, that would be perfect for me. Um, I definitely would like to see Buck Celtics at 4 o'clock. And not earlier, but I don't think I'm going to get that wish because it's not how it works, man. Uh, I know how these schedules typically play out, and I will expect the worst there. Schedule probably should be out this week too, so hopefully it is. Hopefully we have stuff to talk about um, because that would be very fun. All right, let's wrap up today's show uh, with Chuck's Corner, a little special Chuck's Corner, as I mentioned at the start, my birthday. So 34, I'm old. Uh, I had a little bit of a coming to Jesus sort of thing um, yesterday, I think it was about like, all right, 34, man, like I'm six to I'm six years to 40. And I'm like, how how much longer can I do stuff like this? And I really I, I thought long and hard about it. And I was pretty introspective. And because here's the thing, like, I love doing this. All right. Like if I could make this a career, I would. Um, I think I've mentioned before but like I as much as you want to chase your dreams like you have other things to worry about you have a wife you have a dog you have now the house I was able to get a house in the last year or last couple couple weeks here it's been really exciting and I'm very fired up for it and happy to move out to the suburbs Uh, but it's just one of those things where you ask yourself how much longer right like how much longer do I chase this down before I'm like, all right, like I'm satisfied. I did enough of it. It was a cool thing. I know all about it. If anyone asks me, hey, how do you start a podcast or how do you do this? And I think there's a, a lot of regret that I didn't necessarily you know, capitalize when the podcast boom started. Like I've been podcasting for 10 years. There's no reason why I couldn't either be a working for some company at this point, or be having sponsors and getting my name out more and more than I already am. And so that that part fucks me up a little bit. And I think, I think we always live with regret. Like, I don't think you ever, you know, if someone's like, I have no regrets in life. That's such a crock of shit. We all have regrets, right? And so I look at this year as, you know, an area of opportunity. And I'm not saying like, I'm not ultimating myself and saying like, if I don't have this, this, and this by age thirty-five, I'm going to shut it down. But I have to start thinking real closely about okay, where where is the end game for this? Where where do where do we get to where it's like this is the actual end game? And there, and, and it's not necessarily big dreams. Like there's big dreams, right? Whether it's working with a local media company and they buy the rights and they buy our IP and we're under their name. And I mean, that would be a pipe dream and a half, but that's, there's not a lot of that here locally. It'd probably have to be something nationally, honestly. And that to me is a a huge dream. So it's like, how do you get those smaller dreams or smaller goals? I shouldn't say dreams. How do you get those smaller goals and to start building on those and start thinking through those and, I think that's something I need to just do in my life in general. Like if I I reflect at 34 and say, what's one thing I'm not doing enough of? It's not drilling down like small things. Like I just let things accumulate. I say, I'm gonna do something and I don't do it. And I think sometimes it's just, I don't have time. Or I, you know, it's a lot of things consume and it drives me nuts. And I hate that I feel like I let people down Um, and stuff like that. And like, this is sounding much more like sad and like, and I am really grateful for my life. Like I am, like I have a great life, okay? And there's a lot of things to be grateful for. So I don't want it to come off as this sad sap thing. I think it's just as you get older, you start to realize that you have less and less time to do different things and that the clock is running out. It's not necessarily... There isn't time left, right? Now, you still could be great. You still could look at, you know, your next 20 years and be fucking awesome. And, you know, you could ride this until you're 55. And all of a sudden, like, you are a known media commodity. But I also wonder sometimes, is that exactly what I want, right? Like, if I can't go to bars with friends, if if I'm actually, like, these games, like, I love doing that. Maybe I parlay it into watch parties and it's the whole thing and who knows. But yeah, I I think that there's a lot, lot still on the bone um, and I'm excited about it. But I also know that it needs to start building. We can't just stay in in neutral we gotta keep pushing. We gotta keep finding new things to do. And I think I have some new ideas. I, I mean, the TikTok thing has been awesome. Um, just the love there has been great. And so I hope, I hope that continues. Um, I hope that, you know, we're able to start really sort of expanding this podcast reach. And yeah, it's, it's going to be a great year. I'm excited for 34, excited to have a new house. Um, I'm excited uh, for, you know, more adventures with my wife and my dog. And, you know, we'll see, man. And hopefully, you know, 34 brings some championships, right? It's my honest year, I guess. It's probably how I should describe it and I hope it brings another bucks championship. Hope we have a packers championship to talk about. Um who knows, maybe the brewers pull something out of their ass. We get one of those too. It's probably a pipe dream. Especially a Marquette national champion, that would also be pipe dream. Uh same with Wisconsin. Although the ba- a badger football national championship would easily be the weirdest one of, of all those. and. I don't know, it's, I've done the college for me as a weird college football fan, but yeah, it's, it's definitely a weird, I, I every year it gets, I get to this point and I'm like, uh, I'm like, I'm not like always all in with the Badgers, but it's also that I don't, I don't necessarily like not care about the Badgers. It's kind of a, it's a weird in-between, right? So yeah, we're 34, um, Giannis year, man. And uh, hopefully we got big things to come and hopefully we're gonna do some fun stuff and for all of you that listen every day, I love you. Um, it means the world to me. Um, it's nothing's great. Nothing's greater than hearing you know feedback from you guys. Love the pod, hate the pod. You know, even if you didn't like it, I, I still want to hear it. Um, and I love you if you just listen. You know, once a week, twice a week, three week, or you just listen to Mitch and I. And you're not even listening to this right now. I still love you. Still appreciate you. Um, so thank you from the bottom of my heart. And I hope to keep doing this thing. And let's let's build. Let's let's ride. Tapping the keg country. Let's ride. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Take care of yourself. Have a uh, great Monday. Actually tapping the keg tomorrow. Uh, Mitch and I, early week edition. Um, busy, busy week for both of us. So I think we're going to try to get on tomorrow and do a podcast tomorrow. So we'll have that for you. Um, Also, too, uh, probably no podcast Friday. Um, I will say it's questionable uh, for Friday. So we might have a podcast Friday. We might not. um, Really dependent on just how the week goes. Um, I'm driving up to Stout Island uh, for our guy Murph to get married. So, yeah, hopefully we have a podcast uh, Friday. And hopefully we are able to deliver great content. Hopefully the brewers do well this week and all good stuff from the Packers as well. And we'll bat down those Giannis rumors as also. All right, take care of yourself. Have a good Monday. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye.